It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome into the Virtual Bible Study. Today is Thursday, March 1st. We're live, you're plugged in, and we're ready to go. This is the weekly one-hour Bible study program brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is with me tonight. Hello, Dad. Good to be with you after a couple of weeks of being apart. Yeah, Jacob. Good to be back together in our little makeshift studio here. Uh, one week I was gone, next week you were gone, and so uh, we finally crossed paths again, and it's good to join in on our weekly uh, Thursday night virtual Bible study. Glad for those who are listening, many who make it a regular Thursday night appointment. We're, we're grateful for you, and we always encourage your participation in the things that we're studying on the virtual Bible study. That's right. It is a listener interactive program in which we give you the opportunity to join in with your questions or comments over the phone at 931-381-4567. That line is open now. We encourage you to take advantage of the phone tonight. Or you can comment over email by sending us your questions or comments to questions at collegeview.com. The email address, again, is questions at collegeview.com. We have an interesting program planned for tonight, Dad, and I hope our listeners will join in. Yes, we've got a special guest joining us here at the start of the program. Um, I think all of us have probably had the experience of being uh, approached by Jehovah's Witnesses. They are very active and evangelistic in their cause, and they, they are famous for going door-to-door, uh, uh, distributing their literature and talking to people about their beliefs. In fact, they're so famous for that that a lot of comedians make jokes and ridicule them for that. I, I actually... Uh, 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 have a, a degree, a high degree of appreciation for their zeal, even though I think it's misguided. Uh, they are very zealous, and and uh, so uh, all of us know about the Jehovah's Witnesses. Probably many have had occasion to speak with them. Joining us on the program tonight is Miss Betty Stone from Louisville, Kentucky. Betty is a former Jehovah's Witness who has come out of that uh, religious organization and has uh, been involved in some efforts to help teach others the things that she has learned that brought her out of that religion. Miss Betty, welcome to the virtual Bible study tonight. Thank you. We're glad to have you with us. Uh, I just spoke to you briefly yesterday, and we've just spoken briefly tonight, but as I told you on the phone, what I'd like for you to do is tell us a little bit about your story. That uh, I think you said you had been a Jehovah's Witness for 36 years before you decided that was not the thing you needed to be doing anymore. I'd kind of yeah. like to hear you tell us uh, some of the things that caused you to make that change. Well, um, maybe I should mention how I became a Jehovah's Witness. We were Methodists. Uh, the pastor where we were going didn't believe there was a Satan and so on. Uh, in 1952, the Witnesses began calling on my mother. I believe it was September, and by April, she wanted out of the Methodist Church and went to Jehovah's Witnesses. I went to the first meeting with her. I was 15 at the time, or 14. And um, they were talking about the uh, Daniel 9 prophecy of the 70 weeks of years, about a time when the Messiah would appear. And I didn't know things like that were in the Bible. And they seemed so biblical compared to the Methodist church that I was going so, to. So you were coming from a background in the Methodist church where there was very little emphasis on the Bible. And when you saw that the Jehovah's Witnesses were paying attention to the Bible and, and delving into even some difficult passages of the Bible, that appealed to you. Yes, although later I remembered when I stopped questioning my mother's new religion. Um, I had kind of shoved it out of my mind, but I stopped challenging uh, my mother from the Bible when she said she was willing to go into the, the to give up her husband and children to go into the religion. I was 15, didn't want to lose my mother. And they have a nice, neat little package that seems to answer everything if you don't know the other side of the story. And um, 
I was in the Bible a lot. Um, I did marry someone that was uh, also a Jehovah's Witness. Um, he was an idealistic person. We approached marriage the way the Bible said to, waiting and all of that. And um, There were some good things about it, although I can't say that the organization itself has a good reputation. Uh, but they, they they do a good job of hiding it from their members, the, 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 the bad underside. But anyway, uh, I married someone who had uh, been a volunteer at the Watchtower headquarters in New York. Then he was he and I were doing what they called pioneering, 100 hours a month at that time of going door to door. And I even went to uh, Utah and talked to, to Mormons and uh, got acquainted with their writings. But when, when you speak uh, about, let me ask you a question. When you mention this pioneering and the and the going door to door and a quota of hours, is that expected of every Jehovah's Witness? Were you were well, you doing the normal thing, so to speak? They expect 10 hours a month uh, on the average from people, but there is uh, from time to time an intense pressure to pioneer. In fact, uh, when my daughter was um, next to the last year of high school, there were about 15 people, uh, many of them young, but not all, in our congregation in Kansas. and. I can say that from the platform, they never missed an opportunity to put the screws to people about it. In fact, even at the district convention, uh, I remember there was a talk that was what they call a manuscript talk, just reading straight from what came from Watchtower headquarters, and there was a statement in there about some sisters are becoming pregnant to avoid pressure to pioneer. And some pregnant women ran out crying. In other words, they, uh, they believed that that uh, women were actually trying to dodge their door-knocking responsibilities by conceiving children. Yes. And uh, for a long time, of course, that was before my time, they encouraged witnesses not to marry and not to have children because Armageddon was about to come. But, of course, for them, it's been about to come since 1870s. Yeah. But um, at any rate... One valuable thing that I got out of marrying the one that I did was, for the first time in my life, I didn't have to be perfect to be lovable. I began to, to notice um, the, the, the passages about the unconditional love of God made sense to me because in my religion and my family of origin, the love was highly conditional. So that was part of what made me look at other scriptures and to be drawn to the love of God. And so you, now, when you say that, do I interpret you to, to mean that you feel like there's a real lack of emphasis on that sort of thing among the Jehovah's Witnesses? In other words, the idea of grace and mercy and the love of God is not well, emphasized in their teaching? They say that salvation is a free gift, but they also say that in order to get that gift, you have these works that you need to do. And they have actually said in their literature that it is by going door to door that we will, will attain to salvation. I didn't have time to look that up today. But, but uh, they actually teach that the door knocking and the evangelistic efforts that they put forth and that their members are actually required to do is a part of what will uh, gain their eternal salvation. Yes, they use that passage of uh, stay by these things for by doing this you will save both yourself and those who listen to you. And the passage in Ezekiel about if you don't warn the wicked, then you die. Right. But uh, people remark about the zeal of Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, as I heard you do, and yes, uh, uh, but, well, it did have a good uh, effect on me because even though I got straight A's and was valedictorian in high school, didn't go to college because of witness teaching, uh, nonetheless, I got past my shyness going door to door because I wanted so much to give people reasons for believing in God and reasons for believing in the Bible, and so that got me past a lot of my shyness. So um, I just tell people, if you felt that your everlasting life depended on knocking on doors, you might knock on a few yourself. Exactly right. I'm sure that's true. So just to summarize on that, you, you said that 
everybody's expected to spend at least 10 hours a month doing that sort of thing. But if you are going to be at a commendable level to be a pioneer, you'd be mm-hmm. expected to do the 100 hours a month, 25 it, hours a week. Yes. Well, that was at that time for a number of years. Now, uh, last I knew, but of course that's uh, almost 20 years ago, it was 90. And then, of course, they had what they called auxiliary or or vacation pioneers that was $75 a month, and they would push people to do that. And my husband and I often, we were in a college town, and we often uh, put 40 hours in a month, but it kind of bothered me that we were keeping count of this um, because you're not supposed to let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. and uh, So, but they... Judge, they you had to keep track of your hours, and they kept track of your hours as well. Then, in other words, they were actually yeah. auditing this sort of activity. Yes, and that's how they made uh, someone. It was a big factor in people that became elders and ministerial servants and that sort of thing. But um, that was not the main thing. Um, a lot happened over those years, and I began to see that many people who became Jehovah's Witnesses had deep personal wounds in their history. Some of it happened in the witnesses, some beforehand, but I began to see that our religion was making them worse. In fact, sometimes making them suicidal with the constant messages putting people down. On the one hand, you felt superior to the people that weren't going door-to-door and weren't doing all this study and, you know, you felt kind of like a spiritual elite, and yet on the other hand, you were constantly made aware of how deficient all that you were doing was. So uh, one of the one of the factors then that led you to begin to think this maybe is not what I need to be doing is that the, the, the pressure uh, to perform in, in this evangelistic effort... Uh, well, uh, I could see that it had bad effects on people's lives. They they ignored the scriptural uh, responsibilities in order to do it, and it, they didn't get the results they were promised uh, spiritually or emotionally or any other way. Um, so there just wasn't but, a blessing. You weren't feeling, in, in the end, the result, you didn't feel a blessing coming to you from having done all that work. Well... I always rejoiced when I was able to build up somebody's faith in the Bible. But there were many other things. Um, The whole idea of a lot of external rules, working from outside in is not the way the Holy Spirit does it. The Holy Spirit works from the inside out. And uh, making up a lot of man-made regulations and rules, legalism, can have a very bad uh, effect, but more than that, um, when they had the false prophecy in 1975, I kind of weathered that okay. Um, I could kind of uh, excuse what they had written and what they had said, but on the other hand, um, about 19, there was a brief period in which I could, my husband and I were much encouraged, they were making more scriptural decisions about how families should be conducted instead of uh, organizational type, and we rejoiced in that. And then about 1980, suddenly it's like a door slammed shut, and we were suddenly living behind the Iron Curtain, and everybody was looking for apostates under every bed. And um, whenever the numbers drop, they always go on a witch hunt. So the numbers and, did drop after after the famous failed end of the world prophecy in 1975. They they yes. lost members. And they have rewritten that history as well as every. I wasn't even aware of their other false prophecies. I was shocked when I read their early books and what they actually said. Right. Because they they totally misrepresent everything in their their past, and they even have made attempts to get rid of the old Watchtower literature so people can't find that out. But as it was, um, my husband looked at a, uh, the Watchtower yearbook and did the calculations, and uh, the 
the statement was being made that apostates were telling people not to preach. And he said, look here, right in the yearbook, the hours did not go down, the, the, the baptisms did not go down, and when you even count in a factor of how many people died, over one million people left. I think it was something like one and a quarter million. So people abandoned it because of the false prophecy, just as what happened in 1918. But, of course, that was another thing. All the years that I went door to door and told people the Watchtower Society was right about 1914, 40 years before 1914, they said a time of trouble will begin in 1914. Well, imagine my shock when I read the actual books that my husband's aunt had uh, in her library from that time, and they said that the everything would end by 1914, not begin there, and that by 1914... The Jews would be back in Palestine, all the churches would be gone, Christ would be in uh, ruling the whole earth, all the governments would be gone. And um, uh, they predicted seven things, not one of which happened. So the, just, just to sort of put a, put a, a footnote there, what, you're, what, what I'm interpreting you to say is you began to see that there really was an awful lot of failed prophecy on the part of people who claim to be experts in such things. The Watchtower Society even claims to be divinely inspired to make these interpretations, and mm-hmm. and it wasn't working. They weren't making it. They were missing every yes. prediction they made. Yes, and more than that, they were rewriting history that I have lived through, and I thought, has everybody else got amnesia? What's going on here? And then they began to make really strange uh, things, like they, uh, the passage where um, it says that a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but when he dies, she is free from the law of her husband. The Watchtower interpretation of that was because it said the law of her husband, that that meant that husbands could make laws for their families that weren't in the Bible. Wow. And I was just appalled over that. And another thing I was appalled over was they're changing their baptism questions. Um, that must have happened oh, early 1980s. It used to be that they said that uh, baptism involved dedication of uh, acknowledging before Jehovah and, and that you're a sinner and that salvation proceeds from Christ and so on. But then the second question was about um, it, it included not only dedicating your life to serve God, but it said uh, under the uh, as as uh, as you're led by the Scriptures under the enlightening power of the Holy Spirit. Well, they took out basically Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they they put in the Spirit-directed organization instead of your personal being led by the Spirit. Uh, In other words, the they, su- they supplanted the Watchtower Society there as that leading influence rather than any leading from God through His Word. Yes, and they began talking about the organization as our mother, uh, you know, uh, uh, pay attention to the laws of your mother. Uh, and I thought, what have we become, Catholics, the mother organization? So, tell us a little bit about that Watchtower organization. As I understand it, uh, they, they have an extensive publishing organization in uh, Brooklyn, New York, and even some farms outside of uh, New York City that uh, they use to support that uh, organization? Oh, yes. Uh, some of the, the best-selling uh, books, or the most distributed books, I should say, in the world are, are printed by them, and it's not just in the Washington Society. They print it overseas in many different languages. But um, a lot of that is given away. Uh, they changed their... Uh, asking for a contribution, and so now uh, the witnesses not only pay for the literature themselves, but if, if any contribution is received, they have to turn that in as well. So the watchtower receipts have actually gone up. They don't have to. Uh, uh, that, that's the main re- way that they support their re- uh, religious. Miss Betty, we, we're keeping you a little longer on the phone than we promised we would. But let me ask you just to summarize, if you could just in a very brief way summarize, if you were to put it in a nutshell, what what would be just really the heart of the matter when someone says, Miss Betty, you used to be a, a Jehovah's Witness and you're not anymore, and and 
And if you could just, in a nutshell, tell me why, what would, what would be the main thrust, the main emphasis of what you would say made you leave that organization? It was reading the Bible. So, so you and seeing the difference between what we saw and what we read, and um, just not being able to tolerate something that was so destructive to people's lives, and not not having any way, any real way to people to help people. So they, you believe that they, the the way that they instruct families and individuals to conduct their personal lives is actually destructive rather than helpful. We believe that the Bible, if followed accurately, would enrich people's lives, but you were finding that following the Watchtower teachings were actually destructive to, to people's lives and families. You know, but particularly when I saw 15 people, uh, of course I pioneered at times even after I had children, but when I saw 15 people doing, doing that and none of them had the good results, it's, it's kind of though you think that the, the religion probably works okay, but you're just not able to do everything. The list could could go to the moon. But when I saw the opposite of what was promised, I thought this tree has bad fruit. This is not working out the way they say it will. It has the opposite effect, and it's uh, there were just. Too many things that were, were going wrong, including corruption within the Watchtower leadership and even the circuit overseer and well, uh, well, a lot uh, of that. Let's, uh, if you could, give us just some pointers. Uh, you know, say we have opportunity to talk to uh, someone who's in the uh, Jehovah's Witness organization. What are some uh, What are some things that uh, you think are helpful to point out to them to help them uh, maybe see some of the error? Well, one thing that has worked really well. Uh, for me and for several others is on my son's website, which if you go to Google and Google in, in quotations, Planet Watchtower, it has a hundred page letter that freed my son and uh, a number of other people. It seems to have been, uh, they asked for uh, authorization to reprint it in Australia. Um, it gives the, the scriptural reasons, but also on there, there's something called Observations of a Former Mooney, which describes how mind control operates. And I have given it to witnesses and make no mention that it has anything to do with their religion. I say, if you ever talk to Moonies, you know, the religion of Sun Moon, this might be useful. And always I get the reaction. Every sentence, every paragraph, this is us. And it begins to... To take away the the I, I hesitate to call it mind control. It's maybe not quite that strong, but when you are taught that everything else in the world except that organization is run by the devil, you are very restricted in what you can look at and even think about. So what you did sort of as a backdoor approach to getting them to wake up to the fact that they are actually being victims of mind control. Mm-hmm. But I will say one other thing. All those years that I called on people, there were times when people would say, uh, if anyone comes to the scripture about do not receive them into your house nor say greeting to them, which of course is talking about taking travel and evangelists in and, and giving them food and lodging. But um, so many people would re- who possibly knew the Bible better um, or knew how to approach Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, they were reluctant to talk to me. But two or three times, I talked to someone who seemed to not only love Jesus, but they seemed to know him better than I did. And that just did not compute. I thought, well, it's just emotionalism. But it, it kind of stuck that there were people out there that really did love Jesus. Because the witnesses uh, do a very good job of poisoning people against anything else, and everything else is pagan this and pagan that. And well, Betty, if you if you had uh, especially a doctrinal theme that you would want to pitch to a Jehovah's Witnesses, would uh, from what you were saying earlier, would I guess that one of the things you would really stress to them doctrinally is the failed prophecies? That's that really that really struck a chord with you, and you think that that's a good way to approach. Well, it's kind of something they have to find out for themselves, and there is no easy way to find that because those books have largely been destroyed. 
uh, it was what I lived through, and from what I hear people say, they've re rewritten all that history too. Don't uh, usually argue Trinity unless you're really skilled, uh, because you're talking two different languages. Each person is talking past the other. The Watchtower presents modalism as Trinity. So, there's, there's, so you you would you would suggest that that arguing about the the three person Godhead is not the first place you'd want to start in studying. Well, with some people do it successfully, but you have to know the witness mindset and what would uh, possibly break through. If if you know the Trinity but you don't know anything about modalism, that's what there is presented to them as though the Father came down to earth and died, and I. You know, that just isn't true, but you're not even on the same page. Right, right. Um, you can uh, ask, you know, does salvation come through an organization or through the person of Jesus Christ? There's also that part in uh, uh, when it talks about, I will make a new covenant. Uh, what is it, Jeremiah 31, 31? Right, right. Um, and... The witnesses say that they only of the 144,000 are in that new covenant, and it says their sins will I remember no more. And ask them if you're not in the new covenant, how do you get your sins forgiven? Yeah, if that covenant is only for the 144,000, then does he remember the sins of everybody uh -huh. else? Now, what has helped some people, but a person really has to know the, the witness doctrine well, is. Um, in Galatians, where it talks about the barren woman who had no children and Hagar and Sarah, the Watchtower Doctrine on that says that Jerusalem above is heavenly Jerusalem and the 144,000 are the children of heavenly Jerusalem, and Hagar represents the natural Jews. But it also says in that passage that Jerusalem above has more children than the natural Jews. Well, tell me how 144,000 is a bigger number than all the natural Jews in history. I had There's not five heard, million of them right now. I had not heard that argument. If that's a good argument, I think that will work. Well, Miss Betty, we're up against a break, and we need to let you go. We've kept you longer than we said we would already, and we appreciate you spending your time this evening to talk with us about your past experiences. I think a lot of people are interested in hearing the, the things that you've had to say and some of the experiences that you've related. Uh, and hopefully we can put that to good use and uh, have an opportunity to speak to some Jehovah's Witnesses and help them to understand mm -hmm. that they're engaged in a, in a false religion that's destructive to them. Also, Jay Hess has some very good questions to ask Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay, and those can be found on the Internet as well? I believe so. Jay Hess, H-E-S-S. -S. Yes. All right. Thank you. Betty, thank you very much for your time tonight. Uh, we appreciate it very much, and uh, we're very grateful that you joined us on the virtual Bible study. Okay, thanks. Thank, thank you. Bye-bye. All right. We appreciate Betty's comments there. If you have thoughts about that, about the Jehovah's Witnesses, why not let us know? You can call us at 931-381-4567. Call us now or send us an email right now to questions at collegeview.com. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in the study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we'll hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. Hi, my name is Mike Holt. My wife and I, we love listening to the virtual Bible study. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the virtual Bible study tonight as we talk about the Jehovah's Witnesses and their false doctrines. We'd like to hear from you to have your comments. Maybe you've studied with them and you know something about their doctrine. 
Give us a call at 931-381-4567 or send us an email to questions at collegeu.com. Jacob, we've got some email questions coming in. We've got one from our friend Jack, and he asks, uh, what's the best way to approach someone who's Jehovah's Witness since many times they will not want to get into a deep Bible study? They don't want to listen to any other teaching. What have you been to, found to be effective teaching method? Um, based upon what Miss Betty told us, I would I would suggest that she's telling us I, I got the impression, Jacob, you tell me if you got the same, that it began to trouble her that they were imposing rules on their members that were actually resulting in destructive things in in their personal lives and in their family lives. When she could see that the Bible wanted us to have an enriched life, they were actually suffering because of what was being demanded of them rather than being enriched by it. Yeah, and uh, one other thing I got out of what she was saying there at the end was that, uh, you know, to try and plant some seed of doubt about the, their teachings and show some contradictions. And uh, my experience with them is you've got, you, you don't have much of an opportunity to show them the error of their doctrine because they immediately want to go back, and you probably had this experience as well, Dad. They want to go back to what the Watchtower has said, and they place a lot of emphasis on it, not so much on what the Bible teaches and not wanting to open up the Bible and open up their mind and consider what the Bible teaches, but they want to stand firmly on what the Watchtower teaches. So she suggested maybe just cause some doubt and some show some contradictions between the two. Yeah. You know, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, if you ask them, they will tell you that they believe the Bible is the all-sufficient inspired Word of God, complete and finished. But they they believe that the Watchtower Society are divine interpreters of the word and that the average man is not capable of understanding without the guidance and the, and the leading of the Watchtower Society. They believe that the Watchtower Society is that faithful servant that Jesus mentioned in Matthew 24. It's a misuse of the passage to be sure. But uh, So probably, as you said, Jacob, one of the things I'm, I'm taking from Betty's comments is that if you can go back and find some of those old prophecies of the Jehovah, of, of the Watchtower Society, some of their statements that they've tried to change and rewrite the history and actually tried to uh, destroy some of their prior teachings. Of course, they can't do that. It's just too well known. There's a, uh, if you do a, a search on the Internet, there's just limitless numbers of sites referencing Jehovah's Witnesses and their failed prophecies and their false teachings. And so, as you say... Since they're taught to put so much confidence in the Watchtower Society, if you can shake that somehow by demonstrating some contradiction or some flaw or some failure, that's got to be an effective way to go. That was Jack's question. I've got another question. Thanks for listening, Jack. Michael uh, basically asked the same thing. What's the best way to reach a Jehovah's Witness considering they're not allowed to read apostate or non-Jehovah's Witness material? They call it apostate if it's not Jehovah's Witness. Uh, so I think he's got sort of the same question. He said, uh, well, it, you know, it even gets back to the translations of the Bible. The King James Version is somewhat apostate to them because it's not their New World Translation. And so, again, you, you even sometimes have to use their Bible to show them those contradictions. Yeah, but I think you can do that. I think you can use their own translation, the New World Translation. I think you use their own translation to show that they've got all kinds of contradictions and uh, with what the Bible really teaches. Right. Michael also has asked, are most Jehovah's Witnesses ignorant of the history, of the tainted history and the failed prophecies and blunders of the Watchtower Organization? From what Betty said, I'd say yes, they are. When When she began to investigate that, Things that she had always taken for granted as being true when she began to investigate that, she was flabbergasted. She was just blown away by the the discrepancies. And so, yeah, I would say probably they are because they're not allowed or, well, maybe not encouraged at least to investigate such things. She, uh, Michael says she made the comment that she could excuse the end of the world prophecy in 1975. And he says, how could you do that? If you're a true prophet, then what you say comes true and they missed it by uh, a country mile obviously and so I, I would think that you know going back and just documenting those predictions and showing those to a jehovah's witness would have to be a powerful thing to do and they, and and that again all of that sort of thing is readily accessible their failed prophecies are well known and so maybe the thing all of us need to do is have on hand when the Jehovah's Witnesses come to our door. You know, a lot of tracts, various tracts have been written on that that very subject using that very approach. 
have a track to give them. They usually, a lot of times they won't take it, but if they will, and if they'll give any consideration to it at all, it might influence them. Thank you for listening, Michael. Thank you for your email tonight. The number to call is 931-381-4567. We'd love to hear from you on the phone. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Got a question from our buddy Preston down in Valdosta, Georgia. Preston, we're glad you're listening tonight. He says, um, uh, I'd like to hear an explanation. He asked Miss Betty if we didn't get it to her, but he says, explain the, the position of the Jehovah's Witnesses hold on the spirit and soul, what they are and where they go after death. And he expresses appreciation that she would talk with us on the virtual Bible study, and I do too. Well, Preston, what the, what the Jehovah's Witnesses teach about the soul is that they believe that when the Bible makes reference to the soul of man, it's only talking about his life, his breath, the, the part that animates the physical body. Uh, and that when you die, your soul ceases to exist. Now, that's true of both the wicked and the righteous. They believe both the wicked dead and the righteous dead just, just absolutely cease to exist. Now, if you have been a righteous individual, at some point out in the future, God will resurrect you with a recreated Bible. He will create, a recreated body, rather. He will create a body from His memory of you. He will create a new body for you and you will live again. But from the time of your death until such time as God chooses to resurrect you, if He makes that choice, you don't exist. The soul does not exist. They, they do not believe that man has an immortal soul. Uh, and, that's, oh, I think, a, a place to attack their doctrine. Uh, for instance, we could use the text when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Notice you could kill the body without killing the soul. Clearly, body and soul are not the same, and the soul survives after the body is dead. And so uh, I think that's a great place to go to show them. So, so in answer to Preston's question, they believe at death there is no soul that survives physical death. Uh, there is no immortal soul or spirit in man. The wicked are annihilated. They never exist again. The righteous may be resurrected to a recreated body. God from his memory will recreate a body for those who've served him in a future time. Uh yeah, that's right, um, and that's a you know that you get into that discussion with them, and it's really amazing the twist and the stuff that they that you take for granted uh, that uh, that they don't uh, they don't comprehend and they they miss. Let, let me suggest one other passage real quickly before we go to a phone call here, Jacob. I think the story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16 is a great place to show that there's a conscious existence beyond the grave. Both, for both the, the righteous and the wicked. For both the righteous and the wicked, the rich man and Lazarus, Luke 16, beginning about verse 22 and following. Both the righteous man, Lazarus, and the wicked man, the r- wicked rich man, they both had a conscious existence beyond the grave. And that's very clear. I think all of our listeners are familiar with that story. The Jehovah's Witnesses will answer and say, well, that's just a parable. That's just a parable. And... I don't think they, they can prove it's a parable. It's, it's di- if, if it's a parable, it's different from any other parable that Jesus ever worded. Uh, one of the unique features of it is that it gives a man's name. There's not another parable that gives a man's actual name. But I, in, in talking with them, I've been willing to grant them, for sake of argument, that it is. A, I don't think it is. I'm, I, I lean to the fact that it's a true story of two real men. But let's grant, for sake of argument, that it's a parable. Does it teach the truth or not? You know, Jesus wouldn't tell a lie in the course of trying to teach a lesson by parable. And so, parable or not, it teaches conscious existence beyond the grave, and that's uh, counter to the positions taught by the Jehovah's Witnesses. That's right. Man does have an immortal soul, and uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses deny that. Thank you for listening tonight, Preston. Thank you for your question. We'll go up to Orleans, Indiana, and we'll welcome Mike to the virtual Bible study. Hello, Mike. Welcome to the program. Hi, brother. How are you doing tonight? Good. Thanks for calling. Say, I just wanted to chime in. Uh, I can really appreciate what you're saying. In fact, it's it's kind of ironic uh, just this past uh, Sunday, I gave a, a lesson on the Jehovah's Witnesses, and I, I feel as though I'm qualified to speak on the Jehovah's Witnesses before I became a Christian some many years ago. Uh, I, I wanted to know what the Bible said, but I wasn't exactly sure where to start. And uh, one of the things that I did was, I, you know, I, I just kind of opened my mind. The Jehovah's Witnesses ended up knocking on my door, and I was trying to study on my own. And I, I ended up in a study with them in the beginning of my search for the truth for about a year and a half. And so I, I spent a great deal of time with the Witnesses and got to know their doctrine a little bit. But 
one of the things that you'll notice when you study with the witnesses and what, what eventually, it, it, it bothered them a great deal. When I studied with them, I would, you know, I, I learned early on that you don't tell them when you go to, say, a, a bookstore and buy something that's non-Jehovah's Witness material. They became real upset, you know, or, or uh, frustrated when they would find out that I would, I would buy something from a, a Christian bookstore or something like that. They didn't want you studying anything but Watchtower uh, Society material. That kind of goes to the mind control thing that Betty was talking about. Yeah, I mean, you just absolutely can't. Uh, they do. They look at everything that's non-Jehovah's Witness. In fact, uh, toward the end of it, I, I, le- I had begun to learn too much about their doctrine and, and some of the fallacies in it. I had begun to study my way out of it, and I tried reaching the fellow that was studying with me. We'd become pretty good friends by that time. And I even went out and spent, I don't know, 40 or $50 on an on a interlinear, interlinear Bible and just to try to show him how some of their, their words were mistranslated in their New World Translation. And uh, he opened the, up the front cover after he found out some of the words were wrong, and he opened up the, first, the front cover, and he found some reference. I think it was translated like the Trinitarian Bible Society or something, you know, and they don't believe in the Trinity. So he discredited the entire book based on the name of the, the translators there, you know. Um, well, their, their view is tainted and, and Mike, what, trusted. what would you say, let us put it to you, you you studied for a long time with Jehovah's Witnesses and were, were influenced by them in your in your earlier days. Uh, and I'm getting a lot of questions here by email. i got another one from Jared in Cookville, Tennessee, who asks, what's the best way to teach Jehovah's Witnesses when they knock on your door? I've tried various approaches but have been unsuccessful. Any tips to help us be more successful? What would you say uh, uh, in answer to that? Well, First and foremost, I think John 7:17 tells us that it, it, it gives us the idea that it, first and foremost, a Jehovah's Witness or anybody else, I, I don't care who they are, uh, but Jehovah's Witnesses aren't exempt of that. You've got to begin with having an intellectually honest mind. And uh, to be honest with you, I, I just don't know that all Jehovah's Witnesses are going to, you know, just like anybody in the world, I don't know that they're all going to be willing to, because it, it's really a big step. It was difficult for me to step away from it because when you get to know those people, uh, I, I won't ever speak bad badly about the attitudes Jehovah's Witnesses have. I mean, they're some of the most, I want to be careful of my terms here, but they're some of the most uh, godly acting people that I've ever met. You know, I mean, well, they're they very, and, and, and they're very dedicated to what they're doing. I mean, she was telling us about the hours they invest in going door to door to spread their message. I mean, whatever you say about them, you got to say they're really committed to their cause. Well, and that really made that made it difficult for me to, to leave because some of those people and I, we, we, we became close, we were friends, and I can't speak poorly about them other than that they're severely misled in their doctrine. But back to your question about how to reach them, I think Betty was exactly right. Uh, really the only way, and that, I came out the same way. I, I was never, by the way, actually a Jehovah's Witness. I had studied to the point myself that I understood by the, by the time I got to it, I understood baptism was necessary for salvation. Uh, that, was, that was conjoined with, with you know, what is necessary for salvation. And I wanted the Jehovah's Witnesses to baptize me, but when they baptize you, they baptize you to become a Jehovah's Witness, but see that the, the witnesses also teach the concept of a universal church. They just believe that they're the universal church. Well, I believed in the universal church, but I didn't believe that they were it, and I wanted them to just baptize me into the universal church, and they and they wouldn't do that, and so I had to leave and seek seek that elsewhere. And it took me a long time to get there, but I think the best way is really just to begin to create doubt um, in in a lot of the doctrines that they believe. Um, you know, I think uh, I've, uh, Steve Rude, um, www.bible.ca, he's got a great website. You can go in there, and he's got a long, long list uh, of uh, different, how the, how the uh, New World Translation differs from most other translations of the Bible. Yeah, that's a good a- website. That's got a lot of good information there. And so I, I think that what we've got to say to all of us who feel rather frustrated that we've not been able to reach... Jehovah's Witnesses successfully is just realize that that is probably the reality of what we're going to experience by virtue of the fact that they they have been sort of indoctrinated to not accept 
any teaching other than what's being given to them through the Watchtower Society. So, I mean, we, we try our best. That's all we can do. We, we've got to sow the seed, and that's all we're responsible for doing. Their hearts have reached a point where they're very hard to penetrate. We're not responsible for that. And so to Jared and the others who are asking, how can we reach them? Well, all we can do is put the truth out, and and if they won't accept it, then we at least have done our job. Would you agree, Mike? I, I think so. And, and the other thing that I would add is, in my limited experience with the witnesses, they, you know, they have a zeal. But on the other hand, they are also extremely programmed. I mean, they... They had they put out a, bu- a book called uh, Knowledge, and it's it's only supposed to be intended for witnesses because, but because I studied with them, I, I have a copy of it. And what this book is about, it's it's if someone says this, then you answer this. I mean, they give that that type of a response. I think they have a, a book also called Reasoning from the Scriptures that's similar, Maybe isn't that's it? That's the one I'm referring to. Yeah. You might be right. And, and so uh, I, I, I'm catching what you're saying there. If you can get them out, out of their comfort zone, out of the things they've been coached to talk about, you, then you can maybe shake them by showing them some things they haven't seen before. Well, I, what I've been doing lately, um, another fellow and I, we're trying to get a study with a witness. He's been a little bit hesitant, but hopefully that'll work out. But some of the things that I'd like to challenge him on are some things that he's not familiar with. For example, you mentioned earlier in your program they have a centralized organization in uh, Brooklyn, New York, the Watchtower Society. Where's your biblical authority for that? Jehovah's Witnesses believe, and in fact, it was great for me to begin studying with them. That's where my my original studies with the Bible got real serious. Um, and, and so they, they really helped instill the idea of biblical authority in me. Unfortunately, later on, I... I you know, kind of used it to get out of that that organization. You know, to stop studying with them. But you know, if you can get them out of their out of their comfort zone, I think, and 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 to begin to ask them, okay, well, for example, uh, you know, they still in some of their writings, at least at the time that I studied with them, they they referred to uh, Charles Russell as Pastor Russell. Well, if you look back and and you can do some research on Mr. Russell's. Uh, his history and, and what happened in his life, I don't believe Mr. Russell, I've done a lot of research, and I don't believe he and his wife ever had children. And Mr. Russell, you know, an elder has to be one who has a good report, who, who's blameless in the community. He was accused of adultery in a court transcription that I've read. Um, and uh, so, so go back and dig up. So another thing to do, go back and dig up that history. And again, there's we've got access to things today through the Internet that a lot of people wouldn't have had in the past. So use your resource there. Dig out some information and share with the Jehovah's Witnesses things that they probably have never heard before about their own history. Right. And, uh, you know, if you were going to study one one particular topic and maybe uh, – Betty would disagree with me on this, but I think one of the easiest ones and one of the things that really started jumping out at me, and we had a lot of disagreement over this, but one of the easiest things to see, I think, if a person is intellectually honest is to study what or who, you know, they believe the what, but study who the Holy Spirit is with them. Because they don't, you need to understand, like she said, you need to understand their doctrine a little bit. And that will help you to understand where, which angle to come at them from. They don't believe that the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. They don't. They believe the only part, the only uh, God that is in the Godhead is God the Father Himself. Jesus Christ is uh, more than likely an angel, the archangel Michael, who came down to earth. And, and he's clearly, they, by their doctrine, a created being. Right. He's a created being, and he's not eternal, and things like that. And they've altered their Bible to, to prove that. But I think the Holy Spirit, to me, is one of the easiest things, if you're intellectually honest, to tackle. But you've got and to there again, because they've changed their version. But there again, see, that would be taking them... They're prepared to talk with you about the deity of Jesus. They've got their pat arguments that they make. They probably have not been coached as well to talk about the deity of the Holy Spirit. And so... Uh, that's that's been something that I've tried to do in the past as well. Is don't don't approach them necessarily in the areas where they most expect to be attacked. Ask them about some things they've not been coached to answer, and you might have some success. Right. Yeah. If if you can do do a study with them on the on the Holy Spirit, show them verses like in Genesis one and verse two that it, you know if they believe that the Holy Spirit is God's power, it's His active force is their is their term for it. And so if you can show him, like in Genesis 1-2, I've got my notes in front of me here, he can hover, uh, he, he's mentioned in equality with the Father, the Son, um, you know, Matthew 28-19, Ephesians 
Romans 15:30, 2 Corinthians 13:14. You know, if somebody wants to get these notes later. Um, the Holy Spirit, you know, is mentioned as being with. You know, if He is power, in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, He's mentioned also uh, with power. So, if the Holy Spirit is power, it says with the, the Holy Spirit and with power. You understand what I'm saying? So, if He is power, why would why would it mean power and with power? Right. A lot of these verses don't make any sense if He's just I think a good place to go to show that the Holy Spirit is God is in Acts chapter 5 when when Ananias lied about his gift that he laid down at the apostles' feet. Absolutely. Uh, in Acts chapter 5 verse 3, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost to keep back part of the price of land? Whilst it was re- whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Sure. So verse 3 said he lied to the Holy Ghost. Verse 4 said he lied to God. So we sure. could use that approach. Mike, Mike thank you for your uh, input tonight. We okay, appreciate, you, appreciate you listening to the virtual Bible study up there in Orleans, Indiana. I'm sorry I dominated so much. No, you're, you're fine. Very we appreciate good insight. it. Thank you for your thank insight. You. Good night, brother. Thank you. All right, 931-381-4567. Questions at College U. We're going to take a break. Get in now, and we'll be right back after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View's Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931 381 Four five six seven. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. I'm Troy Smith, and now I'm 13 years old. I'm Mike Smith. I'm Troy's dad, and we love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study every Thursday night. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the Virtual Bible Study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. Welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We're glad you're a part of it. The number to call is 931-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com. We hope you'll hurry up and get in on the program before the top of the hour. Jacob, we've got an email from Danny in Greenville, Mississippi. Danny, we're glad you're listening tonight. He asked for that website that Miss Betty Stone had mentioned that her son maintains. And it's a, it's a GeoCity site. The address is kind of hard to, to convey. But it, as she said, the easiest way to get to that, go to Google and put it in Planet Watchtower. Planet Watchtower, and that will bring it up for you, and you'll find it in your search engine. Uh, that's just one website. I tell you, before in, in preparing for uh, the program, uh, I, I did a, some searching on the internet. They're just they're just limitless numbers of, of websites with information about Jehovah's Witnesses. A lot of ex Jehovah's Witnesses who maintain websites uh, that talk about their experiences and so forth. And so, if you want to do a lot of research, it's available. Uh, and Mike mentioned just a minute ago Steve Rudd on his website uh, www.bible.ca. Now, that's got a lot of information there on the false doctrines of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Real quickly, Jacob, before we get to the top hour and, and we end the program, let's talk about a couple of the things that we need. We already talked about the soul, that man has an eternal soul. The Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe that. Take them to Luke 16, the story of the rich man and Lazarus, and wear them out with it. They can't answer that. We should also talk about the fact that Jesus is the divine, eternal Son of God. He is not a created being. Um Several passages could be used uh, to to make that point, but maybe one of the most effective things to do is go to one of their own passages that they like to use and prove that it doesn't prove what they want to prove. They like to use Colossians 1, beginning verse 13. It says, He's delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him all things were all things created that are in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible. Well, notice, they like to, to key in on that phrase, he's the firstborn of every creature. In other words, he was the first. Others followed. So he was the first thing created. Other things were created after him. 
But that's not what that passage is teaching. The, the idea of the firstborn, it could, it could mean chronology. It could be order of creation. But we know that in the Bible, first, the firstborn held special rank or status or position. And the word firstborn here is being used to denote Jesus' preeminence, his highest rank. He is of highest rank. None other rank as high as he does. But notice it says he's the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created. Well, if by him were all things created, if therefore he is excluded from things created, he created everything that was created. Therefore, he is not a created being or else that statement is not true. Their own passage proves that he's not a created being. And to prove your your, your position there, Dad, that uh, the firstborn represents his rank and not his order of creation, that he is over creation and not a created being, go on to verse 18, and you see that that is shown as that's what this verse, passage is talking about. Verse 18 of uh, Colossians chapter 1, He is the head of the body, the church, who is from the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. It says there that Jesus is also the firstborn from the dead, but Jesus isn't the first to be raised from the dead, but he has the preeminence over High those strength. who have been raised from the dead. Good point. And that's what verse 18 teaches. So their own passage works against them. Of course, the passage they can't answer, and the reason why they've had to alter their translation, John 1, verses 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. They've changed that. It says the Word was God. Their translation says the Word was a God. Notice it, it goes on to say, the same was with the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. And again, if he's created, in other words, if he was the one who created everything that was created, then he obviously can't be a created being himself. John 1, 1 through 3 teaches that Jesus is divine. Um, you know the 144,000, you know their idea. The Jehovah's Witnesses have this idea that there are only 144,000 going to heaven the rest of the righteous will inherit the earth. The earth is going to last forever. God's going to refashion it, put it back into its Garden of Eden, pristine condition. Only 144,000 will go to heaven. The rest of the righteous will inherit the earth, and the earth will last forever. Uh, they get the 144,000 from Revelation 7. Take them to that passage and show them that it's a figurative passage because it says the 144,000 are all Jews of the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, ask them if they believe the 144,000 are all physical Jews. They don't believe that. Uh, Revelation 14, verses 3 and 4 says all the 144,000 are male virgins. Ask them if they believe that all 144,000 will be male virgins. They don't believe that. They They can't even explain that only two passages that mention the number 144,000. And uh, so take them to the passages and show them that they're figurative, not literal. Uh, and then, of course, talk to them about the, the maybe one of the plainest statements, the world is going to be destroyed. Second Peter 3, verse 10, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with great noise. The element shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. They can't answer Second Peter 3, 10. The earth is going to be destroyed. They say it's going to last forever. We know it that is going to be destroyed as the Bible plainly teaches. But real quickly, Jacob, and I know we're out of time, talk about the plan of salvation with the Jehovah's Witnesses. As Mike was saying earlier, if we talk with them about things that they're not coached to answer, they're really at a loss. And so they're typically not prepared to describe the Jehovah's Witness position on the plan of salvation. Many of them do not know that the official position of the Jehovah's Witness organization, the Watchtower Society, is that baptism is not for remission of sins. Let me read a real quick quote from their book, The Truth That Leads to Eternal Life. It says, When the love for God moves you so that you want to do his will, then it is proper that you go to him in prayer. It is appropriate that you tell Jehovah that you want to belong to him and that you want to do his will. After you have made your dedication to Jehovah to do his will, he will expect you to keep it. What then does Christian baptism signify? It is not a washing away of one's sins because cleansing from sin comes only through faith in Jesus Christ. Rather, it is a public demonstration testifying that one has made a solemn dedication to Jehovah God and is presenting himself to do his will. That's the truth that leads to eternal life, page 182. That sounds like a Baptist wrote that. And and when it says that, uh, baptism does not wash away sins. Show them Acts twenty two sixteen says baptism does wash away sins. And so talk with them about the plan of salvation and show that the Watchtower Society is not teaching what the Bible teaches about the plan of salvation. Again, baptism is not, as uh, Betty Stone 
suggested about their knocking on doors that you've got to put in so many hours before you'd be worthy to go to heaven. Baptism's not one of those things that you can put on your list and say, now I've done it, now I'm worthy to go to heaven. It simply is an act of obedience, and God has always required those who are pleasing to him, Dad, to be obedient, and he's commanded us to be baptized in order to be saved. We've got to be obedient, not because it earns our salvation, because it's what God has required exactly of us. Exactly right. We don't. None of us can ever merit eternal life in heaven, but we do have to meet God's conditions in the Bible expressed in the plan of salvation in order to be saved. Well, we've had a good discussion tonight. Again, I want to thank uh, Betty Stone, Dad, for joining us her time tonight, and uh, thank all of our listeners for being out there tonight. We really appreciate your participation in the program. Uh, mark your calendar. Make it a regular Thursday night appointment. Join us for the virtual Bible study. If you have any topic that you think would be beneficial to be studied in this format, give us a call or send us an email. Let us know your suggestion for a topic on the virtual Bible study. And we hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.